worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 182 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson. With me today, once again, my good friend and yours from RedsMinorLeagues.com and from Red Leg Nation, our friend Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm pretty good, although, to be fair, I was not at Red Lake Nation this week because I absolutely forgot to write my article. I was actually going to say that when I said, and Red Lake Nation, I say, well, maybe not this week. What happened there, Doug? You let me down, man. I've, I let everybody down. It was on my calendar. Like, I got an alert and an email, and it, I, I just flat out forgot. So that's totally on me. I'm not going to blame anybody else. <laughs> I kind of suck, so that's. I mean, it is what it is. I suck. There you go. As long as you can uh, admit it, you know. I, I didn't even pay attention. There wasn't anything there until because uh, I just assumed I can trust Doug, right? And so I, about well, about ten I or mean, eleven, I noticed <laughs> it wasn't there. Yeah, no, no big deal. Well, that, that's good. I really didn't want to be fired. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sure you did, and it's such an exciting uh, life being a columnist at uh, Red Leg Nation. I love it, Chad. I love it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> So some interesting news this week. The Reds continue to be sort of fascinating in some ways. I guess it depends on your point of view. But uh, the biggest news, I think, of the week, and let's just go ahead and lead off with this because I've taken more abuse over this on Twitter than uh, any other uh, topic in recent memory, and that's the fact that Brian Price, it was announced this week, well, I guess it became public this week, that Brian Price, the Reds, picked up his option. He's going to return as Reds manager in 2018. Uh, a lot of people were not happy about this news. I think it's safe to say. What do you think about it, Doug? You know, I, honestly, I can see both sides of it. I, I understand the fans that are upset with the idea because let me let let's call a spade a spade. Brian Price is not done well in terms of wins and losses as the manager of the Reds. And if that's what you're looking for in a manager, you know, it, he has clearly failed to do his job. At the same time, I'm not somebody that puts all of that on the on the manager. I mean, look at what he's been dealt with. I don't think that the, you know, steroided up love child of Sparky Anderson, Joe Torrey, and Joe Madden would have won with the clubs that Brian Price has been given. So, Ooh, yeah, I, 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 can, I can definitely <laughs> see both sides of the argument there. Well, I think that's exactly right. There are two sides to that argument. I, I made the mistake on uh, on Twitter of saying that I thought that Brian Price is probably really just an average manager. You know, he's not he's not above average. He's not below average. He's sort of your typical major league manager, does some things well, does some things exceptionally poorly. Uh namely that lineup. But I couldn't get worked up either way over the Reds bringing it back. Like you said, there are good arguments on both sides. Certainly the Reds have lost and lost and lost and lost, and usually when a team loses that many years in a row, the manager's the one that gets fired. That's just the way baseball works. 
It's just really hard to pinpoint exactly how much of the losing is Brian Price's fault, though. Think about it this way. Brian Price's pitching staff this year. I know you know the answer to this, so I'm going to let you answer. I think you know the answer. Who, which pitcher on the Reds roster this year leads the team in innings pitched? I'm pretty sure it's Tim Adelman. Tim Adelman. Now, I like Tim Adelman. He's a nice enough guy. He, uh, he and I went to, he went to one of the schools that I went to. I'm a fan, okay? Good story how you got to the big leagues finally. Nothing against Tim Adelman. But you're telling me that you're going to judge Brian Price on wins and losses when he was provided with a roster in which Tim Adelman was forced to be, to pitch more than anyone else on the team. I mean, really? You, I don't see how you can blame. Obviously, Price has to accept some of the blame. He's in charge, and that's the way it works. But, wow, what do you expect, I guess is my question. If you got if Tim Adelman's your uh, your your number one guy, so to speak, in, in what manner of looking at it, what what did Reds fans expect at a, at a price? You know, I I really do wonder if the quick start this season didn't kind of set up the Reds for failure this year. You know, no one really expected them to do much contending this year. You know, maybe some people thought they were going to be better than where they are right now, win loss wise, and that that might have been before we knew exactly how the uh, starting pitching was going to play out, but. You know, the Reds got up to a very good start in April. You know, they they had a winning record early on. They were, I mean, they were in first place somewhere in you know into the third week of April. And I think I think it kind of set false expectations for some people. Uh, and then when you kind of look where we're at now, with you know, we're sitting here in September and you know twenty games under five hundred and really struggling to kind of. I mean, they play they play well of late. I, I shouldn't say it quite like that, but you know, overall in the season they're not playing well. Um, and I, I just wonder if you know they hadn't started out so hot, but we're still where they're at right now. If things wouldn't be looked at a little bit differently from some of those fans that are just completely, you know, out of their minds losing it because Brian Price is coming back. Yeah, I mean they gave us a little bit of hope early on. I, I want to circle back around to that Adelman uh, stat. The second on the team in innings is Scott Feldman, but if you look at just guys on the active roster right now, who's who's behind Adelman on innings pitch? Luis Castillo. He was who was in Double A two months ago. Yeah, <laughs> number number two in in pitch. Number three, a reliever, Michael Lorenzen. I was gonna say it had to be, it has to be like Lorenzen or Stevenson, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I mean, uh, none of none of the guys the, the Reds counted on to be in their starting rotation are up there. It's just Price has had uh, he's been snake bitten. But I guess the question becomes: Brian Price is back now. As we move into 2018, his entire Coaching staff has been asked to return. What are the expectations for Price now? How, how do we judge Brian Price in 2018? Yeah, that's a good question. And the way I look at it is I, I really think that him coming back is the front office acknowledging that they have not provided him with the kind of team that they believe he should have been able to win with. Uh, now, whether that is because you know they feel that they didn't do a good enough job or just the sheer injuries, especially this year where you know offensively, I mean, for the most part, I, I think that the Reds were probably confident that, you know, this team could have won had they had the pitching. But the pitching just, it, it couldn't stay healthy. And, you know, I, it's hard to blame the Reds for that. I mean, you know, you lose, you know, three-fifths of your rotation in February and March. What are you going to do? I mean, there, you can't really plan for that. Yeah, there are guys out there, but you're not going to go out and get, you know, legitimate starting pitchers in February and March without trading your farm system or trading legitimate big league players. So, I think that the front office bringing him back is them saying, hey, you know, we don't believe we gave you what you needed. But 
if he doesn't win next year, yeah, I, can you really bring him back for a fifth year of of losing if they don't take a major step forward? I, I don't think you can, even if you do think that you know he could be the guy moving forward. I mean, it's just it, it, it's such a hard sell for. I mean, I don't know. I I I just can't make that argument, even if you know they do perform a little bit better. If you don't. I mean, they've got to get to 500 to bring him back, don't they? I mean, that, that's, just, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want to put a number on it, but I think that's as good as any. I, I think you're right. They have to show some progress, and, and, and tangible progress, and, and progress in terms of wins and losses. I mean, we've sort of been judging Price in some ways because, as we say, the front office really hasn't given him a roster. We've kind of been judging him on, well, are the young guys making progress? Or, you know, some, some things that are maybe not – as tangible, we can't judge him in terms of statistics or, or or data. Next year, I think it's going to be some data that, that he's going to be judged on. I think that he does have to improve in wins. I think significantly. I think they have to make significant improvements. You know, next year yeah. they won't have a uh, Brian Price won't have an option. This year he had a, a team option they could bring him back. That won't be the case next year. Price is managing for his life at this point, and the Reds are, I think, saying, "Okay, let's uh, we're going to give you a little bit better team next year." Show us what you've got. If you've got something to, 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 for us to keep you around, good. If not, you know, it might be time to look elsewhere. But I, I, I don't know what the number is, what the record has to be. But you're, I think you're right that they're going to have to, they're going to judge him on that to some extent, anyway. Yeah, and uh, fortunately for Brian Price, I, I do think that starting pitching wise, we're in a much better position uh, right now to have hope that some of these younger guys can step forward um, than, than at the beginning of the year. You know, I mean, we've already seen Luis Castillo come up and just. I mean, he's been downright dominant for stretches of the time and solid enough when he wasn't dominating. Um, you know, guys like Sal Romano, Robert Stevenson, you know, they've, they've shown strides over the past month, month and a half. And, you know, that's not really a big enough sample size to, you know, get into, oh, yeah, they're definitely locks. But they definitely look a lot better now than they did, you know, back in April. Um, yeah, for the first time, yeah. we're seeing some progress out of these young pitchers that gives us a little bit of that hope that's uh, been ever so elusive this year. Yeah, so hopefully if, if there are injuries next year to the starting pitching like there was this year, you know, as much as, you, like you said, I like Tim Adelman, he's not leading the, lead, or leading the team in innings pitched when September rolls around. You know, we can hope uh, that we won't have the injuries. That's sort of just hope, but the Reds have been hit so hard, you wouldn't think they'd have the same number of injuries to the starting rotation. So maybe, maybe we get uh, one or two or three of Homer Bailey, Anthony DiSclefani, Brandon Finnegan back to full strength. And then we got this group of young pitchers who are, and I do want to, you've mentioned them, and I do want to sort of dig into their years uh, and what we've seen, what progress we've seen out of the four of them especially, and then maybe a couple more if we have some time. With those guys, uh, you know, all making progress, you, I don't see how the rotation can't be better. And uh, if the Reds can go out and, like they've uh, sort of hinted, and get us another starter or two, but uh, certainly a, a – uh, Maybe not ace, but a top starter, a two guy or something like that. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be available, one or a two. If they can go get somebody like that, all of a sudden the rotation could become a strength, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if I were the front office, I would definitely be looking to bring in a an actual proven veteran kind of starter. Not, you know, No offense to a Scott Feldman, who was finally very, very, very capable for the Reds this year. But uh, I'd definitely go out and try and find somebody – you know, that you can pencil in that number two, number three spot in this rotation that you feel confident you can count on for 180 innings next year. Uh, if nothing else, just for insurance purposes against, you know, not being able to get Anthony DiScofani or Brandon Finnegan back next year. 
Let's talk about some of these young guys that we expect uh, to hopefully be solidifying their own spot in the in the rotation. And you know, two uh, first of all, before the season, the Reds traded uh, Bussy's heart, Dan Straley, and we all love Dan Straley. But the trade of Dan Straley got the Reds Luis Castillo. And could this year have gone any better for Castillo? I mean, his final start, eight innings, one run allowed, uh, what ten strikeouts, no walks, finishes the year with a three point one two ERA. That's the question. Could this year have gone any better for Luis Castillo, and where does he go from here? I mean, if we're going to be realistic, no. It, it probably couldn't have gone much better for him. I mean, he skipped over AAA and stepped into the majors, and, I mean, he, he pitched like, I mean, I don't want to say a top-of-the-rotation pitcher. Nobody's going to say he was an ace this year, but a 3.12 ERA, that's going to that's going to lead most pitching staffs uh, if he was able to do it for a full season. I mean, he was very, very good, and he was very good pretty much from the start. Um you know, there were, there were some hiccups along the way, which you're going to get with, I mean, you're going to get that with most, you know, veteran pitchers, you know, regardless. I mean, if you're not having hiccups, you're pretty much, you know, Clayton Kershaw. Um, so I, I think it'd be tough to say that he could have done better. Now, what he can be moving forward, I mean, I, I really think that he could be a guy that you can lean on as a true number one starting pitcher in the future. Uh, he, he's going to have to walk a few less guys along the way, but everything else he does is outstanding. He's got one of the highest ground ball rates in Major League Baseball. He misses a ton of bats. Um, I mean, really, all, all that you need to worry about is can he cut down on the on the walks just a little bit? It, it, his walk rate isn't very high. Um, it, it's just not quite high enough to or low enough to be a guy that you would see, you know, at the very top of a rotation on, on playoff teams. But you know, he's still a very young guy, and this was only his second season as a starting pitcher. So while he's definitely not young, he's 24 years old. Uh, he's still relatively new to starting pitching. And he's got that crazy good stuff, and then you see him in the eighth inning still throwing 97, 98, uh, 99. It's just um, if he can get it all together, keep it all together. And he's shown so much poise this year. He's been so much fun to watch uh, pitch. Uh, if, if he can really continue to develop as he has, I think you're right. I see a, you know, a Johnny Cueto, uh, not necessarily in terms of uh, similar styles of pitching, but just a guy that uh, can can develop into – the guy. And, and you know, we talk about the Reds going out and getting one. If they go out and get a top-line starter, and then Castillo makes even any more strides, all of a sudden that's two pretty good starters right at the top. And we're not even talking about Anthony DiScalfani, who, when healthy, is, you know, uh, a two or a three anyway starter. So now out of this group of young pitchers, my opinion on the next guy that I think has uh, a chance to really make an impact, as any of them could, but the guy I really think has a chance to make an impact, maybe even be in the uh, – rotation out of uh, spring training next year Tyler Miley you know he started three games um, ERA 3.6 I mean you can judge him on three games if you want his minor league numbers were good great control numbers in the minor leagues this is a guy who talking about poise he comes to the major leagues and he just looks like he knows what he's doing on the mound uh, as if I know anything this is age 22 season uh what's the what's the ceiling for Tyler Miley and uh, are you as excited as I am about this kid now, I, I will be perfectly honest with you, Chad. I, I think that I'm the low guy on the totem pole when it comes to Tyler Malley. Um, and with that said, I, I think that he's you know, you know a good pitcher. I think that he can be you know a number three, number four kind of guy. Um, I, I'm just not sold on the secondary stuff being good enough to consistently get major leaguers out. Um, but what I do love about Tyler Malley is that the guy battles his butt off. I mean. It, it's something that you know I've I've been seeing with him since he was in Dayton a couple of years ago. I mean he he just attacks and attacks and he doesn't seem to get flustered very often. He's very poised. Um, now 
I really love what he can do with his fastball. Uh, if, if you watch his last start, um, you know, he was throwing significantly softer than he was the first two starts in the major leagues. You know, he was in that 89 to 91 range. Uh, but if you looked at it, you know, he was throwing a two-seamer with movement. Now, that was the first time he'd shown that pitch in the major leagues. Now, he's shown that in the minor leagues. This isn't a new pitch that he's kind of picked up on. Um, but, you know, he's got a, a two-seamer that has outstanding movement that he can locate. He's got a four-seam fastball that'll throw anywhere from 92 to 97 miles an hour that he can do a little bit with. He's got, you know, he can cut that ball, um, you know, and then, you know, he's got slider, curveball, and a changeup. And like I said, I'm not sold that any of those pitches are, you know, true out pitches at the major league level, but it's it's four solid enough pitches, and the guy pounds the strike zone for the most part. I, I know he hasn't looked exactly like that guy uh, in, in the major leagues. He, he struggled with his control the last time out, but... You know, having watched him over the years, I, I think that that's just kind of a blip on the radar. You know, into the season, he may, he may be tiring out a little bit, kind of thing. Um, you know, go, go ahead. I'm with you. I mean, in some ways, I'm with you. You're raining on my parade a little bit, but I mean, I think that I don't know that we're that far apart. I mean, I see in Mally a number three guy. Um, now, nah, maybe if everything goes right, he could be a number two. But I mean, there's there's real value in a number three guy. I kind of see a little bit of Mike Leak there. Do you think that's a an inapt uh, comparison? I, I think numbers-wise, that, that could be something that we could see. I think he's probably going to strike out a few more guys than Mike Leake did. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that that's kind of what you're looking at. You know, a guy who can give you 180 to 195 innings every year, um, you know, not going to walk guys, going to keep you know keep you in the game pretty much every time out. Probably not going to be a guy that, you know, you're going to confuse with Luis Castillo, who's going to strike out, you know, 10 guys a few times each season. But, uh, you know, a, a very solid performer day in and day out or every five days. You think he has a chance? You think he has a chance to make the rotation out of spring training? Yeah, I really don't think so, and I, I hate to say that about a guy just because of you know I, I think it's more of a, a situational thing, um, because one he's going to be the youngest guy fighting for one of those rotation spots, and I think that if, if the Reds were planning things right now as as they hoped for them to work out, they're only going to have one spot in the rotation available, kind of up in the air, so to speak. I think that. If Bailey's healthy, DiScalfani, Finnegan, Castillo are all healthy, they're locks for the rotation no matter how they perform in spring training. So that's really only going to leave one spot for, you know, what, four or five legitimate guys between Stevenson, Malley, Romano, Garrett, Reed, and if they bring in somebody else to compete for that spot. Um, You know, Tyler's the youngest guy of all those guys. He's got the least amount of big league experience, and rightly or wrongly, (laughs) He's got less service time, and he's got more options. So I, I think that that's going to come into play a lot. As, as much as fans hate to hear things like that, you know, they always you always want, in theory, your best 25 guys, but that rarely ever works out because you kind of have to play the game in order to, you know, work around everything to get the best team for the future, not just for right now. And I, I think that that's going to work against him in spring training. I think that he would definitely have to outperform the other guys probably significantly, to, to take that rotation spot out of spring training next year. Okay, I, you know, I, I don't know that I agree with that. I, I, I agree that there are going to be limited spots available, um, and, and who knows how many are going to be available based on injuries and who the Reds bring in. But I think Malley's going to get a real look because he does the one thing, and Castillo sort of does the one thing that the Reds have kind of been harping on lately, which is pound that strike zone, throw strikes. And you're right, he's not done it in his three starts in the majors, but he's done it his entire major league career. He has results, whereas some other guys don't have results all the way through. And, uh, yeah, in, in terms of a number, numbers game, he may get may get uh, 
toss it, but I think he's going to get a, a legitimate shot to make the uh, the rotation. And I don't know how much some of these other guys being ahead of him is going to hurt him because he does the one thing that these other guys don't uh, in, in some respects, which is he throws strikes. So it'd be inter- it's going to be that's going to be fun to watch next spring if everybody is healthy because you do you've got you know nine ten guys competing and that it could end up being a great rotation. I mean I'm not ready to predict that yet, but uh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that part. If I mean you don't have to squint very hard to envision a good starting rotation for the Cincinnati Reds. Even though they've been almost historically bad this year, it's it's hard. To, it's crazy that you can say that. And but you're right. Yeah, and it, it, at the same time, huh, you don't have to squint very hard to think. Wow, we've only got one real option next year as well. Um, so it, it, it I, I think that really is the the big wild card for the Reds uh, in, in 2018 as we kind of look at it right now is exactly what is going to happen with the pitching, both health wise and you know with the young guys and can they step up? Yep, there's hope, but it could go either way. Uh, two two other young guys I want to talk about quickly that I feel like have made some real progress here in the second half of the season, and uh, one of those guys is a guy that I <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed you know three months ago that I'd even be saying this, and um, of course I know your feelings about St- Robert Stevenson, so I did want to talk about him a little bit. You know, you look at uh, since uh, the beginning of August, Stevenson's uh, five starts, he's four and zero, ERA two point zero eight. Um, struck out a bunch of guys, walked a, walked a bunch of guys too, but uh, but starting to see some cons- more consistent results than we've ever seen from Stevenson on the major league level. What are your thoughts on? And I know you followed Stevenson uh, and have been high on Stevenson at times uh, during his minor league career. Where does he sort of fit into the mix here? You know, I, I he absolutely has to cut down on the walks. I mean, even when he's been pitching well, as you mentioned in the last, you know, what five weeks. Uh, he, he's still walking more guys than you'd like to see. Uh, that's over the long haul. You know, he's never going to be more than a back end of the rotation starter if he's going to walk four plus guys per nine innings, which he's been doing. Uh, but man, when you see him at the top of his game, I mean, it's it's really impressive. I mean, he legitimately has, you know, three plus pitches and, and a fourth good pitch, um, you know, that, that he can throw for strikes when he's on top of his game. Um, because of that, I, I think that he's going to get a, a fairly long leash, even though I do feel that Brian Price has, um, at least before his most recent call-up, been very hesitant to want to use Robert Stevenson for for whatever reason. I, I think that you know probably does go back to some of the strike-throwing issues, um, but I also think that he didn't give him too much of a chance to show that he could or couldn't get it done on any sort of consistent basis uh, before that. Stevenson um, is... is- you know, it seemed to me like he's tread water, treaded water the last two years. Really not made much progress until the last few weeks uh, in my mind. He's, he's been the same guy. Uh, well, when, when they sent him down to AAA after his bullpen experiment, it was still one of the weirder situations I've ever seen uh, with how Brian Price used him or sometimes didn't use him at all for a week. Um, you know, they, they told him, go down to the minor leagues and throw strikes, and he did. He, he, did. I, he went down there and he, he threw strikes in the minor leagues as a starter, and then, you know, they, they brought him back. Um, the, that hasn't quite transferred over, but I, I do think that it has improved from where it was, uh, you know, especially out of the bullpen. Uh, he's, he's throwing more strikes, although the walks are still high. The overall strike percentage is higher than it was, and I think that that's a good sign. I, I think that what we're seeing is he still has those moments where it's just not there. And, you know, he'll, he'll walk a guy, but he'll make that adjustment and rebound from it. 
And uh, that, whereas, whereas that didn't happen before. He would let that compound on it, and he wouldn't make that adjustment, whether it's mechanically or uh, physically kind of, you know, changing what, what he was doing or realizing what he was doing wrong. And, and I think that we are seeing that happen now. Yeah, that's, that's you know, real, tangible, visible progress, which we've not seen from Stevenson in a long, long time. And that's why I get a little excited about Robert Stevenson, because of what, the way you started in describing him. This guy has better stuff than any of these guys. Uh, maybe not Maybe not Castillo. He's, he and Castillo are both pretty good. But Stevenson's stuff is just, like you said, when he's on, I sit there with my jaw dropped uh, at how good he is. When he's throwing strikes, uh, it's just he's almost unhittable at times. So 24 years old, making some progress. I think for the first time in a while, I can really see Stevenson taking a big step over the next couple of years and really solidifying his spot in the big league rotation for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, as I said, it's going to come down to strikes. But, again, I, I don't think that it's very hard to see him, you know, becoming a very good starting pitcher uh, relatively soon. I, I think that with the adjustments we've seen him make, you know, hopefully it's just one more small adjustment that will be the really big difference maker for him. Yeah. And, you know, another guy, uh, the last of the, the young guns uh, that have made progress this year that I want to discuss, does not have, the, I don't think anyone thinks that's the ceiling of Robert Stevenson, but, I've been pretty impressed with uh, sort of gradually throughout the season how Sal Romano has uh, has improved. And of course, in his last four starts, he has a two, he's what two and one, three and one, two point four five ERA. Um, he's a guy that's maybe not striking out enough and maybe uh, walking too many, but he's a guy that I've sort of slowly seen. He's a guy I was uh, hoping would maybe be a number four starter someday, and you know I think he's uh, I don't know I think he's had a really effective season. I think he's progressed. Yeah, he has. I, I think that the, the biggest thing that he's improved upon this year, in my opinion, um, is his reliance on the changeup. And I'll, I'll be honest, like when he came up this year with the Reds, not not for his one start earlier this year, but since he's come back up, the first few starts he, he really didn't seem like he trusted the pitch against major leaguers, and he struggled. Um, even though it, it was a good pitch, it was taking strides uh, when he was pitching in Louisville. Um, but... He, he's really started to rely on that pitch a little bit more, show more confidence in it um, over, over the past few starts in the major leagues. And I, I think that's kind of been the, the difference maker for him lately um, is that he's not just showing two pitches. He's giving those guys that third look, even if he's not quite as confident in it and it's not as good of a pitch as his fastball and slider. Uh, it, it just gives them that, that other thing to think about. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're right. He's probably more of a, you know, a, a three, four kind of guy. Than, than you know a top of the rotation kind of guy, but um, you know he's but that, definitely that's not a criticism. That's not a no, criticism. No, it, 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 it's really not because yeah, you know, I, I think that some people take that as a criticism sometimes. But you know, let, let let's let's be fair. Yeah. Mike Leak Mike Leak was a three or four guy, and he just got eighty million dollars on the on the free agent market. So if if that's an insult, then you know what, take your insult to the bank. Well, there's real value <laughs> in a guy that can pitch oh, like that. There's, absolutely, especially if you can if you can stay healthy and be that kind of guy. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, no, I'm I, high I, on Romano. That doesn't mean I think he's going to be number one starter, but I'm high on him. I think he can contribute to the major league rotation over the next few years. I, I definitely agree with that. And you know what's nice about having all of these different options, Chad? If some of them don't work out, you can definitely throw some of these guys in the bullpen and improve things there, too. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. And, uh, and right. So uh, somebody gets beat out for the rotation because somebody else is performing better. Well, oh, well, we can just improve the bullpen as well. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Romano. Um, I've enjoyed watching him this year. He's 
He is a guy that I, I was there for his first uh, start as major league debut, and there were about 50 of his family sitting in the section right next to me making uh, all kinds of noise, uh, really enjoying every pitch. But he came in trying to throw the ball through the backstop. And ever since then, he sort of, you know, he's paced himself a little bit and uh, shown a lot more maturity. And, uh, again, age 24 season, I think, he just uh, – is that right? This, this is actually his age twenty three season. 23 he's, season he's, right. he's one of the younger guys. I mean, he's not he's not as young as Tyler uh, Tyler Malley is, but he's younger than the other guys. So you know, he's got a four point six two ERA. You know, yeah. in twelve starts, and of course, ERA is a sort of a blunt uh, tool to evaluate. But you know, um, hey, I'll take it. It's not Luis Castillo, but that's that's a really <laughs> good rookie year for a twenty three year old. Absolutely, and it's especially when you consider the current run environment that we're in in yeah. 2017 with, you know, the juice baseball, whether Major League Baseball wants to admit it or not. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at somewhere close to getting close to a league average earned run average, which makes you, again, marvel even more over what Luis Castillo's been able to do since day one. Yeah. Um, now, there's two other guys that, pitchers that I think everyone thought would be in the conversation a lot more now than uh, than they are. Uh, one of those had a great start to the season, and that's Amir Garrett. He uh, had the injury. He went to AAA and did not perform well. And, of course, the news this week is that uh, Luis Castillo has been shut down. That was that eight-inning, one-run game. That was his last start of the season. And Amir Garrett's going to take his spot in the rotation. And I have just sort of been under the assumption that Amir Garrett must be hurt because the way he's looked uh, in AAA. His last couple starts down there, though, some, showed some progress, and now we're going to see what he's got in, in the uh, – back in the big leagues. What do we know about Amir Garrett? I, I think we know less about Amir Garrett than we did at the beginning of the season, in my opinion. I, I think that you're right, and maybe you hit, maybe you didn't see it, Chad. And I, I've been talking about it for probably for two months now, that I, I believe that he was hurt. Um, you know, he, he mentioned uh, that he hid his hip injury from the Reds early in the season because he was worried that you know he, he wouldn't get to stay in the major leagues for it. Um, and so he didn't say anything before they put him on the disabled list. Um, and, you know, he just he hasn't been throwing as hard as he had thrown he's thrown in the past. You know, even early this year when he was pitching well in those first three starts of the season, you know, he was ninety, ninety two miles an hour. And I mean that's not where Amir Garrett generally throws. He was usually ninety one to ninety four, but he was touching, you know, ninety six miles an hour consistently in each start. Um you know, ninety ninety two and he was barely touching ninety four. I mean, that's not the guy that he was in the past. Uh and eventually we found out, yeah, he he was hurting. His hip was hurting him. Um, and Zach Buchanan actually talked with him, I, I want to say it was two days ago, and Amir said that, you know, he thinks that his hip was affecting his game before he even realized it was an issue. No, I didn't and see that, that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and so that's probably, and he said, you know, that's probably why his velocity was down. Over the last month or so, he, he's been throwing significantly harder. Uh, you know, I I have not, you know, seen what he's been throwing tonight. Uh, we're actually recording this um, Friday night if if you guys weren't aware of that. Uh, so Amir actually is pitching right now, and I haven't been looking at the, at the radar gun. But uh, in, in the last month or so in AAA, he's been throwing you know, 92 to 95 miles an hour. I've seen him touch 97. We never saw that from him early in, in or even any, any time in the first half of the season, whether it was in the majors or the minor leagues. Um, so the good news is it, it seems that what was, or what at least was one of the problems with Amir Garrett in, when he started struggling was that you know, he, he just wasn't throwing hard, as hard as he has in the past. Well, that's back now. So the question is going to be, can he make the other adjustments that he may need to make? Um, you know, finding more consistency with the secondary stuff. Um, and he's the and, oldest it, of these guys, so uh, yeah, it, it's it, time to put up or show up in some ways. Yeah, he, he is, he's definitely older than the, the other guys, but he also got a late start to baseball. 
you know, he, he focused a lot on, on basketball uh, as, you know, a high school athlete. Um, even his first couple of years as a professional baseball player, he was more of a college basketball player than he was a professional baseball player. Um, but the, the thing that's working against him a little bit is that, uh, you know, he's got one option year left and, you know, he's definitely behind, at least right now, I think behind several of the other young guys on the depth chart. Um, and maybe it's because he was injured, but, you know, I, I think that he's probably been passed up by guys like, you know, Robert Stevenson and Sal Romano who have gotten, you know, good starts under their belt in the second half for the Reds. Um, and then, you know, you got a guy like Tyler Malley who's come up and, you know, dominated in AAA that Amir just didn't do this year. So I, I think he's got a few things working against him, but it, it looks like he's going to get, I mean, he's definitely getting the start tonight uh, in New York, and I, I think he'll probably get a few more down the stretch for the Reds. So if he can show something, you know, maybe he can get right back into things. And in the first two innings tonight, uh, two and a third, he's walked two and given up one run. Um, yeah, he has put himself behind some of these other guys, but he's going to have to, like you said, he's only got one option year left. He's going to have to, 2018 is the year. He's going to have to show what he is, uh, and uh, the Reds are going to have to decide what he is because, um, you know, is he going to be a bullpen guy? Is he going to be a, a starter? I don't know. Um, so uh, watching tonight closely, and, and I don't know how many starts he'll get the rest of the way, two or three at least. Um, I don't know. He can make it. He can take a big step, I guess towards becoming uh, getting back into the Reds' plans, I think, by finishing this season strong now that he's presumably healthy. The other guy that uh, – oh, look at that. There's a home run off Garrett. Um, so the other guy that at the beginning of the season, out of this group of young pitchers, I was as high as anyone or as, as high on Cody Reed as any of these other pitchers. Uh, in this group, and uh, I know you may you may have disagreed with that. Uh, Reed has been a uh, a disappointment. He can't throw strikes, and the Reds said that basically for the rest of the year, even though they're shutting down Castillo for some reason, they're shutting down Malley. I don't think they really need to, as you noted, I believe on Twitter, he's not really pitched more than he has last year overall in terms of number of pitches. But they're going to shut him down supposedly, and looks like Cody Reed is going to pitch. Uh, Brian Price says mostly, if not exclusively, out of the bullpen. Is Cody Reed, has he been cast into the bullpen never to be heard from again? Or what do we think about Cody Reed, again, just 24 years old? You know, I, I, I don't have any insight on that. But if Brian Price has all of these openings in the rotation and he's not really considering Cody Reed for any of them, I, I think that probably tells us something, doesn't Show, it? Shows you what they're thinking, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, obviously things can change. Injuries happen. And, you know, maybe Cody Reed, you know, he, he gets another shot. But... You know, just like Amir Garrett, he's definitely put himself behind the eight ball with his performance this year um, and other guys stepping up. Uh, you know, there, there's only so many spots in the rotation, and it, it just seems that, you know, maybe he's so far down the depth chart right now that, that the bullpen does seem like the likely available option for him. His last couple of outings in uh, AAA, I guess he, he only threw three innings and was very, very effective. Now, to be, fa- to, to be fair about both of those outings, uh, when he did get removed from the game, he did go to the bullpen to continue throwing, um, which I found interesting. That, they wouldn't just leave him in the game to throw, you know, those extra twenty or whatever pitches they wanted him to throw. Well, that is interesting. Um, yeah, that's that's maybe a, a data point on the opposite side that they haven't closed the door on him starting yet. Yeah, no, I I think that um, they they probably definitely want to keep his his 
pitch count up just in case something does happen in September and they need to make that make that move and find a way to get him in there. But um, it, to me, with it, if I'm reading into what Brian Price is saying, I, I think that he's definitely a guy that they're probably not looking for uh, in, in the rotation um, the rest of this year. Um, and but, then, you know, just as, as we said, he's pretty far down the depth chart, it would seem, going into spring training next year among the starting pitchers as well. And, and you know, those, like those said, those short outings, he was pretty dominant. I think he walked one guy in uh, either total in those two outings. And, uh, you know, if he can be effective in uh, smaller doses, I don't know, you know, he's got good stuff. Maybe he could, if he's just a reliever, maybe he could be a very, very good reliever, I guess. Yeah, it, it's definitely not unheard of, especially for tall left-handed pitchers to, uh, you know, struggle early on and make the transition to the bullpen and just turn into absolutely dominant pincher, uh, pitchers. Um you know, we, we saw a guy like that dominate in the playoffs last year for Cleveland. So, you know, you, you, you never really know with these kind of guys. Yeah, you don't know. So he's still in the mix. He's just uh, who knows where in the mix. The other guy made the opening day rotation this year that I really can't get a, a good handle on, and that's uh, Rookie Davis. Where is Rookie Davis's ceiling? Where is he going to, you know, his last few outings in uh, – Triple A, what he, he like uh, struck out thirty and walked one or something like that. What, what do we think about Rookie Davis? You know, it's been an interesting year for Rookie Davis. You know, he made the rotation out of spring training, uh, did not perform well, got hurt, uh, came back, ended up back in Triple A. Um, you know, didn't didn't really perform well in Triple A, uh, but over the last month or so, he's picked up the split fingered fastball, uh, and it's it's really helped him find an out pitch at least at the Triple A level. Um, you know, he he never really had that pitch, you know. His manager in, in AAA, Delino De Shields, has kind of said that in the past that you know that's that's the thing that's keeping Rookie Davis from being a big league pitcher right now. He he didn't have a pitch, a second pitch that could really get by major leaguers other than his fastball. And if they know that that's all you've got, you can't even get that by him. Um, you know, it's I think that's been the big key for the you know re- the rise in strikeouts that he's had down there, um, and the lack of walks as well because he's you know able to throw more strikes or at least get hitters to expand the strike zone. Um, Ceiling-wise, I'm still not sure that he's a starting pitcher. Um, you know, even, even if he does have that split-finger fastball that's going to work for him, I, I'm just not sold that he's got a third pitch good enough to be a starter right now. Um, but I, I will say that I'm very intrigued by him coming out of the bullpen, throwing as hard as he can you know, for an inning or two uh, with that split-finger fastball. And you know where he's at on the depth chart. It, it would not surprise me if they gave him a real look in the bullpen next spring, um, especially if they're going to go with all internal guys. Um, I think that at some point they're going to have to try and take some of these guys that are starting pitchers um, and, and use the depth to, you know, try and fill out the bullpen. And he's definitely one of those guys, along with you know, a guy like Jackson Stevens, who you know they're, they're kind of further down the depth chart. They're not as big of prospects as some of these other guys are, but have a two-pitch mix that could play very well out of the bullpen. Um, so I, I, I think that he might be one of those guys uh, more than, you know, a guy who's going to you know, work his way back into the, the rotation picture. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Again, we got all these guys. Uh, you know, who am I forgetting? Um, that's, that's pretty much the group of young pitchers. <laughs> but I think that there's, uh, for most of the year, we were like, oh, what's going on? The Reds aren't throwing these guys on the major league level. We're not learning anything about them. But I think... Uh, We've sort of looked up here in the middle of September, and I think we have learned some things about all these guys to sort of have an idea where they 
are going to fit in, where they're, where they're going to slot in over the next uh, year or two. And it's uh, going to be a wild and uh, woolly competition next spring. Um, but the Reds have gained some data points on each of these guys, especially Luis Castillo. Hey, did I mention Luis Castillo was really good? Uh, you have not. Wait, who who is he and how uh, good is he? He's a young player. You don't know anything about young Reds players, oh, oh, so I'll okay, tell you okay. about him off the air. All, all right. All right. <laughs> you remember a little while ago we were talking about Brian Price? I, I do recall that, yes. Yeah, he's the Reds' manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell and, me more. Okay. His, um, I, I kind of semi-defended him a little bit this week, but there's one thing that I refuse to defend him on, and it's the way he handles my favorite player for the Reds. He lets Billy Hamilton lead off every game, and that's not a smart idea, even though I really love Billy Hamilton. Oh, Billy got hurt this week. Injured his thumb while attempting a bunt uh, in the first inning uh, about three days ago, I guess, uh, two days ago. And uh, the lesson there for all the kids is never bunt. Hit but dingers. Hit, hit dingers, dingers, yes. Um, so MRI conducted, left thumb fractured. And uh, the Reds are hopeful it's not going to end this season. I'm not as hopeful. Uh, frustrating injury. It is, but you know it's interesting that we just uh, finished up talking about finding data points on other players. I think that as unfortunate it is to see a guy get injured, this gives the Reds an opportunity to get more data points on another player. Uh, you know, getting Philip Urban more time in center field that he probably wasn't going to get in September if Billy Hamilton were healthy. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, what bothers me a little bit. I think that's a, the positive. Look at you looking with the, at the glass half uh, full. I, I try and keep things happy, Chad. I really <laughs> I, do. I appreciate that, but uh, this is not a happy thing because I thought Hamilton having his worst season uh, overall certainly it's not a not a great uh, not a great year, which is kind of a slap in my face because I went on a limb for the guy and predicted he was going to have uh, such a good year, but I felt like he has a really good chance of finally winning that first Gold Glove Award. You know, this is a third straight year he's gotten hurt late in the season. And that, if he's out for the rest of the year, I think he probably doesn't. I, well, maybe. But I think it affects his chances of winning that gold glove. But, you know, it's not a bad thing to learn a little bit more about Philip Irvin. I, I see Philip Irvin as more of a fourth outfielder type, a guy that could be an effective player off the bench. Um, I'm not sure that he's uh, a starter material. But we don't know that yet, as uh, as you've noted. And uh, maybe we'll find out a little bit more do you think that Philip Irvin, let's say everything goes right for Philip Irvin, can he really supplant Billy Hamilton as the starting center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds? I mean, if everything goes right, absolutely. Uh, if, if everything goes right for Philip Irvin, he's a two seventy five hitter who draws walks. He'll steal you 35 bases, uh, hit you 15 to 20 home runs. Now, the odds that everything goes right are, are very slim. It rarely happens for any player. Um, but, you know, I... I, I, there's definitely a, a ways to go before I think that he's ready to supplant what Billy Hamilton does. Uh, Billy Hamilton can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag. With all due respect to Billy Hamilton, all the things he does well, hitting the baseball is not one of them. Um, but, man, he's so, so good defensively and on the base paths. And I don't just mean you know, stealing bases, which he does incredibly well. But, I mean, the guy, when, even when he is taking bases when other guys are hitting the ball— He's just on a different level than anybody else in baseball, and he's so, so good at those two aspects that it makes up a lot of the problems he has with hitting. Now, like you said, I don't want him batting leadoff. Like that's, that's insane to give the worst hitter on your team the most played appearances, but uh, you know, his overall game is still solid, even though he can't hit at all. You know, um, this was the year that I thought 
you know, last year in the second half, he really took uh, made big strides. Ended up the season with a uh, on-base percentage right around league average. I thought, all right, this is finally he's 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 learning a little bit how to hit, how to get on base. This is the year, and he's not he's not shown that at all. He's not hit at all. Um, but he's a guy that, like you say, with his defense and with that arm, you know, uh, throwing out runners on the on the base pads, and with his base running, he's a guy that can still be an effective major league starter for a good team if he's batting eighth or ninth and i just can't figure out why that's so obvious yet maybe i'm going to change my mind on brian price and say they shouldn't have brought him back uh (laughs) now we know that lineups don't matter that much but on the other hand they do matter some and i don't know why you wouldn't want to be to take every advantage you can even on the margins and so i don't that i don't get that but hopefully he's back soon and uh i don't know I do want to see what Philip Irvin has, even though I'm a little skeptical. And again, when I say skeptical, I think he could be a solid fourth outfielder. I think he could have a Chris Isey career, maybe even or a better career than that. And that's not a that's not a criticism. It's kind of like we talked about the three, four starters. Uh, I think he could be an effective major league player. Just not quite sure that uh, he's going to be a starter. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I, if I had to make a bet on it, I'd, I'd say he's more likely to be a fourth outfielder than he is a starting center fielder. But at the same time, with with the Reds' situation with Billy Hamilton, as much as I just talked very well about him, I, I do think that he's the kind of guy that you always should be looking for a better option, um, at least until he improves. And I, I'm just not sure that Billy Hamilton is going to improve at this point. It, it's tough to see where the improvements are going to come from. He's not a guy that you know we're waiting for the power to develop. Um, you know, he, he hit a walk off home run this week. His power is developing as we speak, as we speak. Well, I, I'm going to disagree because he's got a broken thumb right now. So I bet he couldn't hit the ball out of the infield right now. Well, neither could um, I, but I don't see you criticizing me. Well, you should hear my other podcast where we talk about bad Chad all oh, the time. Yeah, that would no. be a, that would be a popular podcast. No, I think you're right. I think you're right about Billy. Um, and, uh, but again, nope, I don't think anybody would have any, problem with him if he were just hitting a lower in the lineup i think he wouldn't be as much of a lightning rod yeah and if nothing else you know if, if philip urban performs well down the stretch uh and you know the reds get enough defensive information on him to believe that you know he can he can at least play there sometimes you know maybe it creates a situation where philip urban can kind yeah. of platoon with billy hamilton and you know billy hamilton can still be the majority guy in in the reds lineup but if you supplant that you know what, 35, 40 times a year with Philip Irvin, yeah. uh, you, you, you pick and choose the right matchups, you can get a significantly better production out of center field than you would have otherwise. Um, and so I, I just think that it's, this is a very good opportunity for both Philip Irvin and for the Reds to kind of see what they've got and show what he can do um, and, you know, maybe plan around that for 2018. Um, either way, if, if Philip Irvin shows well, maybe you don't feel the need to go out and look for that, you know, fourth or fifth outfielder on the free agent market. Or if he struggles, or maybe the defensive data shows that you know he's probably not a guy you want to play in center field, even you know once or twice a week, then you do need to go out and find a guy who can do that. Because as we've seen with Billy Hamilton, he struggles to stay healthy because of the way he does play. Um, and so, yeah. you know, as unfortunate as it is, I think that this provides the Reds with a good opportunity to to get good information going forward. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, again, continuing uh, the rest of the season, what we've been trying to do all year, which is get information. Now, um, let me ask you this. Ooh, the Reds have the bases loaded with one outs. Avanios at the plate. You were you were way ahead of me. It's still a 2-1 count on my TV. Oh, sorry. I, 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 I don't even have it on my television. I just got a notification on my phone. So. Oh. Um, 
Now, 2018, and I want to get into the minor league playoffs a little bit because I know you've been following that closely, and the Reds have some uh, some teams played in the, in the playoffs. Uh, so I do want to talk about that before we finish up, but quickly, 2018, I'm just I'm here to tell you, Doug, and you can uh, disagree if you'd like, but the Reds are going to win one of the wild card spots uh, next year. That's my prediction. You heard it here first. I I did hear it here first. If I were a betting man, I would definitely disagree with you. Oh, come on! I, I, I'm not a betting man, so I hope you're right. Well, either way, I hope you're right. But I that that's that's a, that's a lot. Um, you, you I, I can that? see it. I can I can see it. I it's not difficult for me to envision it. But I think that it's going to be one of those situations where a lot of things have to go right for the Cincinnati Reds to make that happen. Um, you, you and I, I, term, I'm just not sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm going out on a limb there. Um, I, I did guarantee it, but come on. But I do think, I do think that, that it's not outside the realm of uh, possibility. But i got, I got to make a point here. You said the term betting man there a moment ago. I was afraid you were going to mention a certain name that uh, you've been barred from mentioning on this uh, podcast, Doug. I thought that's where you were going with the betting man. If you remember earlier, I also said I didn't want to get fired from this whole thing, so <laughs> I decided to not go down that road, even though I really, really, really want to. Yeah, there's a certain uh, betting man that Doug and I just uh, we've decided we're not gonna not gonna talk about. It. Just there's no there's no way to win that one. Now let's talk I'm about gonna, the minor leagues. Uh, no, I, I'm gonna correct you real quick, Chad. I will definitely talk about it with anyone who wants to on Twitter. <laughs> you know where to find me. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's 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 move on. I agree. Doug is willing to talk about it. Go t- talk to him um, at DougDirt24. Follow him and, uh, and talk to him about whoever you want. Now, the playoffs in the minor leagues. Talk to me, man. It's been an interesting uh, couple days here, last couple days. Uh, give us, a, I guess, the, uh, the quick update on what's going on in the minor leagues. Well, Pensacola and Dayton qualified for the playoffs. Um, Pensacola actually won the Southern League Championship today in a weird, weird situation. Uh, Because of Hurricane Irma hitting Florida, uh, the Southern League decided to cancel the championship series and award a co-championship to the winners of the first round um, series. Uh, Now, Pensacola was playing Jacksonville. Uh, Games 3, 4, and 5 were scheduled to be in Jacksonville, um, but some of the city is being evacuated because of the hurricane, and so Pensacola actually got to host the first three games of the series, and if needed, Games four and five would have been played in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, Pensacola went into extra innings today and won five to four. So they are the co-champions of the Southern league with a team that has yet to be determined. Um, Dayton is playing right now. As we record this on Friday night, they are tied one to one in a winner take all game in the first round. Um, there will be two rounds after this. If they, if they continue to win um, and the Billings Mustangs are still in the playoff race. Uh, nothing they can do moving forward matters. There are two games left in the season. They can win on both, lose on both, doesn't matter. Um, what they need to happen is for Missoula to beat Great Falls both games the rest of the way. Um, that would set up the tiebreaker scenario where the Mustangs would win, or I guess they would they would be the selected team um, because Missoula also won the first half crown. Um, but if they don't win both games because they are playing Great Falls, that would create a tie for first place, which would go to Great Falls, and the Billings Mustangs would not make the playoffs. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting here in my home just really going nuts hoping that Missoula would beat Great Falls. I'm going to guess that the number would be zero. Oh, man. Somewhere, no way, man. I love uh, I love me some Missoula-Great Falls rivalry. That's fantastic stuff. All right, Chad, I'm going to call you on this. <laughs> um, what is what is the team mascot for Missoula? Missoula... 
Montana. That is incorrect. Although <laughs> technically that is that's kind it's of correct. correct, but that is not their mascot. No, they are uh, the osprey. The osprey. The osprey. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I knew that. I mean, I was going to say that, but uh, yeah. I don't know. You cut me off, I think, or something. I've been known to do that. I'm a talker. <laughs> so three of the Reds teams in the playoff race, I think that what that says is, well, over the next few years, these guys are going to come to the majors, and the Reds are going to be in the playoffs every year. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. I, I, I like the logic, so I'm going to go with it and not argue. All right. Doug, you seen any good movies lately? I dropped it on you again. I'm willing to talk about one if you'd like. You go ahead. There is one that I've seen, but I, I want to kind of compose my thoughts with it. So All right. Well, I haven't, I'll let you go first. I haven't composed any thoughts, really, but uh, about this one. I just saw it uh, this week. But Wind River. Oh, my goodness. Wind River is just a fantastic movie starring Jeremy Renner, who I really don't care for that much. I uh, haven't in anything else. He's been in The Avengers or uh, the Big, Catherine Bigelow movie, uh, Hurt Locker. Um that he got some pretty good reviews for. I never really care for Jeremy Renner. Um, he's amazing in this movie. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's in it. She does a fantastic job. Um, it's uh, Basically, the, the, the tagline of the movie is, uh, an FBI agent teams with the town's veteran game tracker to investigate a murder that occurred on a Nor- Native American reservation. And again, it's up in uh, Wyoming and uh, just beautifully shot. Um, Taylor Sheridan's the director. Gorgeous movie. A sort of twist that I didn't see coming, and uh, the way they unfold the story, it's really well done, and it surprised me. I gave it four and a half stars out of five. I really enjoyed Wind Rivers in theaters now. Go see it if you get a chance. Doug, what do you think? Well, I think that I'll probably have to go see that next Tuesday. Um, yeah, during the off season, that's generally when I, I, I see most of my movies. I try and go at least every other Tuesday uh, for a matinee, and I'm usually the only one in the theater, and I love every minute of it. Yeah, well, every time you're um, but, on the podcast, you better be ready with another movie to recommend. <laughs> well, this past week I went and saw The Big Sick. Um, yeah, and Johnny. Yeah, with with Kumail Nan, uh, Nanjari and uh, Zoe Kazan, uh, Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, and it it was fantastic. Um, you know, it one of the the main character uh, played by uh, Kumail Nanjari. He uh, he's from Pakistan and. His parents are trying to set him up for an arranged marriage, and he's dating someone else and doesn't want to have an arranged marriage, but he doesn't want to tell his family that. Uh, The story kind of plays out um, of basically him not telling his family that he's in a relationship with someone, and um, eventually his girlfriend at the time finds out that he has been hiding her, and they get into a big fight and break up, and shortly thereafter she gets sick and has to go in the hospital um, and she needs to be put in a coma. And the movie really gets good from there when she kind of steps back and her parents come into town. Uh, and they, they meet him, and they know all about him and everything that went down. And um, I, don't, I don't want to give too much away, but it, it, it's a very, very interesting and good story. Uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, if you believe anything on imdb.com, it, it's got eight point, or eight, it's got an 8.0 rating out of 10, which is an outstanding rating on IMDb. Um, so it's not just me thinking it was a great movie. It seems that a lot of people really enjoyed it. Uh, so if you're looking for something, uh, and you've already seen, you know, Chad's recommendation, the big sick is fantastic. Um, I, I definitely would recommend going and seeing that. I have not seen, uh, the big sick just yet, but I've, I've read several reviews on it. And what I have heard more than once that surprised me, and really, I'm not even sure I believe it, but so now I'm going to ask you, what I heard is that Ray Romano is like really, really good in this movie. Ray Romano. 
Yeah, um, I haven't seen him in too many, uh, I I don't want to say drama-esque type roles, but it kind of was for him, and I I really do think that he did a very good job. Um, You know, I've only seen him in a few other things other than his TV show, so obviously it's a very different kind of character than he was playing in, I don't even remember what the name of that show was. Oh, come on, everyone (laughs) loves Raymond. There there you go. Yeah, um... You know what, Chad? I'm getting older, so my, my my mind is failing me a little bit. I get it. Um, but yeah, I, I, he did he did a very very good job in this movie, and it was something that I I wasn't expecting from him. Not that I'm saying he's not a good actor; it's just a very different thing than I've ever seen him do before. Yeah, he's getting good good reviews for that. So Wind River and uh, The Big Sick, uh, two uh, two positive reviews here for those movies, and I do look forward to seeing uh, The Big Sick. You do need to see Wind River. Doug, uh, appreciate you talking to me again, buddy. Yeah, not a problem. Very, very happy to always be on here. Yeah, we have a good time. You know, uh, appreciate all of you all listening, downloading the podcast, uh, taking some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on about this uh, crazy uh, baseball team we, for whatever reason, follow every single day far too closely, uh, the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, download uh, us every week. Easy to do that if you subscribe to us. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find us. And I always ask you to leave a rating and review if you, if you don't mind. You know, the number of people listening seems to grow just about every week, which uh, is I'm really grateful for. Um, but that's how people find us, if you give us a rating and a review. And if you tell them, uh, if, you, you know, if you like us, tell them. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. You can follow Doug at DougDirt24 on Twitter. Read uh, his fantastic coverage of the Reds Minor League system at RedsMinorLeagues.com every day. You can follow us at RedLegNation on Twitter. I'm at DotsonC. D-O-T-S-O-N-C, and, of course, RedLegNation.com, where we're, since 2005, we've been talking about this team every single day and uh, having a pretty good time of it, even through some uh, some rough years. Doug, uh, we're going to do it again soon, I promise you, and, uh, and I'm going to expect yet another uh, movie review from you. Are you looking forward to that? I am, because that means I need to find another really good movie to watch. Exactly. Do that, man. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.